the first two services, people yelled at, yeah, they'd be right, but no, they wouldn't. Okay, that's why we're here. We're all going to go vote now. They wouldn't be right. Why not? Because God regarded the whole human race as guilty of sin when Adam sinned. Now, you might ask, well, how is that possible? Because of our union with Adam. That's how. This is what Paul teaches us in Romans 5. And if we accept God's word as having authority in our lives, then we're bound to believe whatever it teaches with all the tension and challenge that it brings. When Adam sinned, we all sinned. When he violated God's command, we all became guilty with him. This is different from the entire class being punished for Tabitha's disobedience because they had no real union together. Tabitha didn't represent the whole class. She's one student of many, but she didn't stand for the many. Adam, on the other hand, does. God counted Adam's sin to be ours as well. Adam's guilt to be our guilt. Again, we might cry out, that's not fair. But that's what we see from Romans 5. We're not alone. Theologian Wolfhart Schoenberg did not only tell you his name, because until I read that name, I thought Justin Fox had such a cool name and a band. But this guy's name is Wolfhart Annenberg. He says, not that we care who he is, but he says, it's impossible for me to be held jointly responsible, that is, with Adam, as though I were a joint cause for an act that another did many generations ago, and in a situation radically different from mine. Another scholar said, guilt stems from a culpable, that is, responsible act, traceable to the unethical conduct of a morally responsible person. What are they both saying? That's not fair. Not fair for God to condemn me to eternal death for a sin Adam committed thousands of years ago, millennia before I was born. If that's your objection, I would ask you to just hold on as we make our way through all of what God says through Paul to the church in Rome. We didn't read the first part of uh, Romans 5, uh, so let me summarize the first 11 verses for you. Paul's system is telling the Roman Christians they have reason to rejoice. They have reason to hope. Because they've been justified by faith, they don't have to fear the wrath of God. They have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And so the hostility that was present in their relationship with God has been removed or set aside by Christ and is replaced with peace. Our passage tells us how this happened. We've outlined in your bulletin uh, three points. You want to read that? Uh, The first part is through Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Point number two. Through Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners. The whole Bible, uh, as we've been reading it this year, if you read it from beginning to end, it, it starts off good news and then there's bad news and then there's good news again. And Romans 5, 12 to 21, somewhere in the messy middle, we start with bad news, but then we'll get to good news. We start with Adam like we're all born that way as well, with Adam, and we'll get to Christ with him. So Adam, starting with Adam, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. 
so Paul here, he's, he's alluding to the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, the absence of one man, that man is Adam. And he says in Genesis 2, Moses writes, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And if you know the
We can choose to know our neighbors or not. We can choose to be involved in social life or not. But largely, we see ourselves as individuals first and part of a community that is happening in But in the days of Jesus and Paul, they didn't see life that way. That wasn't their worldview. They saw their life as something else. The group, the the people of which they were a part, that's what made their individual life meaningful. They were connected. They were linked with one another in a way that's really foreign to most of us. This is why, you might remember this from Luke 16 a few weeks ago, this is why there was a kazaza waiting for the prodigal son. Do you remember that? A shaming ceremony for a wayward member of the community because the shameful actions of one affected everyone. This is why also uh, Jews at Passover, even today in 2019, they say, Jews say at Passover, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, but God brought us out with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. And most of us hear that and think, no, you weren't. You weren't slaves. Your ancestors were. God didn't bring you out of Egypt. You weren't even born yet. That's our worldview. But that wasn't the worldview of the Jews to Paul or their ancestors before them. We read the Old Testament, and we see this corporate lens all over the place. One example of the story of Achan in the book of Judges. Achan stole some of the things devoted to the Lord. And in Joshua 7, 1, we read, the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. And even set those people free. Read the whole story. Verse 11, a few verses later, we hear the Lord say, Israel has sinned. They have sinned against themselves. They have taken some of the Lord's things. They have stolen and lied and stolen money. There belongs to them. And we cry, that's not fair. It wasn't all Israel. It wasn't Achan. It wasn't me, it wasn't Tabitha. This whole discussion highlights something really significant about our understanding of sin. And it it kind of comes from our individual worldview, our different lens. It's common to think of sin as individual acts that are not good, and maybe we've even fallen bad. Maybe we've even lamented over them and recognized how horrible and evil they are. And it's true wrong and harmful acts that we commit, those are sins. But if we think of sin only as individual acts, the wrong choices that we do, we can apologize, we can seek to reform ourselves, we can try to be a better person. That doesn't matter. Yeah, I did that, but I undid it with with my responsibility. And if I can do as much good as bad, yeah, I do bad, but if I can do as much good as bad, don't you feel like I'm even? Pretty good. Maybe I think we can do even do more good than bad, and this is kind of going really well for me. I feel pretty good about that. But what if we're not just someone who commits sin, does wrong things, but what if we are in our person a sinner? One who is wrong, not just someone who does wrong, but one who is wrong. What does that mean? Then your problem is much worse than you thought. Because how do you set you right? What if your need isn't just to do better, but to be different? To be a different person? 
What if your biggest problem isn't the wrong you do, but the wrong that you are? Uh, then what? Romans 5 doesn't use the, the phrases in Adam and in Christ, but that's exactly what we have here. Two different representatives of the entire human race who all fall into one or the other at any moment in time. In Adam, in Christ. One was represented by a descendant, the other was represented by at Corinth says, for in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So again, there's only two options for people. You're either dead or you're alive. See what that does to the, well, I just need to be better. Okay. You're either dead or you're alive. You're either in Adam or you're in gift of God is eternal life which has freedom I, 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 I can't wait to get to the free gift part in verse 18 follow me because there we see Christ undoing what Adam did but let me first make a few comments about verses 13 and 14 which are just important and uh, potentially confusing so when Paul says in verse 13 sin is counted where there is no law kind of a weird thing to come across in scripture right sin is counted where there is no law he doesn't mean that it wasn't counted until you sinned or that it was of no account at the moment i think what he means is that it wasn't counted as a transgression or a trespass of a a violation of a stated command from god like after the law of moses those who sin before the law of god they didn't hear God say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Adam did in the garden directly from God's mouth, don't eat from that tree. Israel did after the law was given to them in the Ten Commandments, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Right? Both sin and this, this word transgression, this is a different Greek word Paul uses, both are an affront to God. Both result in death, but there does seem to be a distinction here between Sin in general means missing the mark or not doing what we're supposed to do. And this other word, transgression or trespass, means God draws a line and says, don't you dare walk across it. Don't you do it. Don't touch it. So it's probably accurate to say sin wasn't counted as a transgression, as a willful violation of a command from God, but it's still go ahead and put death on verses 12 and 14 because that's a big word death that's in there and it's life which is in Christ so Paul ends verse 14 by mentioning that Adam was a type of the one who was to come and then in verse, verse 15 uh, we learn that this is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ this one who was to come through Adam's disobedience 
Christ that many will see him as the Messiah. And then in 15, we have the presentation of Christ and how Jesus is the many believe gift is not like the trespass. Yeah, that's Pastor Logan's way. That's fine. I'm not going to shout down any amen. So you want to, after every word, we might have to stop that, but okay, fine. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the free gift is not like the result of the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of Christ reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification for life for all who believe in him. For as by one man forgiveness came to many, so by the one man forgiveness came to many
all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Did you know that God is more ready to forgive us than we are to sin? Did you know that? That there is more grace in him than sin in us? That if we're in Christ, our sin cannot outpace God's grace. We can't outrun his grace. His grace is greater than our sin. His grace is greater than everybody's sin. If anyone turns to him, no matter what they've done, he will receive them. He will forgive them. Anybody. Hitler. Anybody. Child abusers. Terrorists. If anybody turns, the little old lady next door that's sweet and makes cookies but doesn't love Jesus. If anybody turns to Jesus, he will forgive them their sins. That is the gospel. That is the grace that's greater than our sin and all sin. As dark as your sin is, as devastating as it has been to you and yourself and others and before God, his grace is greater. Our sin is greater. His grace is deeper. And once we receive his grace, once we've moved from the Adam column to the Christ column, from being in Adam to being in Christ, there's no going back to Adam. You heard this earlier in the service. I'll, I'll just say it again. Please close your eyes and think for a moment.